1560 KXNO. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Major League Baseball All-Star festivities got started last night in Cleveland with the Home Run Derby. Early on, it was the Vlad Guerrero Jr. Show. There is Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know the name because most people that know baseball know the dad. 28. Next one breaks a record. That's got a chance. There's the record. 29. It's 29. He breaks the home run derby record for home runs in a round, which I never thought we'd see it. In the championship round, it was Guerrero Jr. against Pete Alonzo from the Mets. That was a line drive off the top of the wall. There it is. Pete Alonzo fires the bat up. He's your home run derby champion of 2019. The calls from ESPN as Alonzo takes home the million-dollar prize. The starting lineups are out for the All-Star game. In the National League, Christian Yelich will lead off from Milwaukee. Javi Baez bats in the two-hole, and the Cubs' Wilson Contreras bats seventh. In the American League, Jorge Polanco will bat ninth. The shortstop from the Twins. High school baseball from last night is heard on 1460 KXNO. West Des Moines Valley gets the split against Southeast Polk. And Jake Auer does the heavy lifting. With the bases loaded, here's a drive out to left center field. Long run out there. Can't get to it. That'll roll all the way to the wall for extra bases for Jake Auer. One run is in. Two runs are in. Here comes the third. A bases clearing double. Valley wins at 7-2 behind Hours 5 RBI. Southeast Polk took game 1, 5-2. Other CIML action, Waukee with the sweep against Marshalltown. Des Moines Roosevelt and Ottumwa split a pair. Dowling Catholic sweeps Ames. Ankeny and Johnston with the split. Des Moines East with two wins against Des Moines Hoover. And Ankeny Centennial with a pair of one-run wins over Urbandale, 5-4 and 9-8. High school baseball back on the radio airwaves tomorrow night with Des Moines East hosting Ankeny Centennial. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Ten minutes, maybe not even ten minutes, Zubin Mahente. From ESPN will join us, and we normally do on Tuesday. We go around the world of sports with Zubin. NBA is going to find its way into that conversation, free agency wise. Yeah. Anyways, hard not to. Boy, uh, and then John Walters, the voice of Iowa State, in about a half hour from right now. A couple of colleagues from back in the day. At right, WOI. Yes, right? Zubin got his marching orders from John Walters. That he did uh, at the time, late nineties. In fact, I, I met Zubin with John Walters at uh, up in the press box at Prairie Meadows. Oh, really? That's where I met them, and then I guess he was tagging along with John and. They were out doing a piece. I don't know what it was on. Anyways, uh, reminiscing a little bit about uh, two good guys in the business. We're mm-hmm. going to talk to both of them coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. You know, listening to your update now for the second time, boy, Home Run Derby really needs video to go along with these clips, <laughs> the, the audio clips. Yes. Ooh, that was not painful, but that was... A lot mm. of talking over each other, a yeah. lot of, a whole lot of that last Now, night. Jason Benetti and... Um, Perez, and I can't think of his first. Eduardo? Eduardo Perez, Tony's kid. 
And and one other guy. They did um, more of an analytical show on yes. 209. And you know me and analytics. Don't get along real well? Yeah, not really. I think it's my generation. Maybe not. But uh, So I I did. I, I went over there for a little bit because I'm a huge Benetti fan. Mm-hmm. But found my way back uh, the limited amount of time I watched the Derby to the uh, telecast on uh, real ESPN. Yeah, and then listen to that audio clip. Yeesh. <laughs> You need the video to go along with that. All right, so I want to ask you, we, st- we spent a couple of minutes on this. Like, I'm not killing Torin Young. I hope he has a great year. I'm s- perplexed that he was the third member uh, of this Hawkeye 2019 football program that has been selected to accompany the team to Chicago next week. Look, this is an opportunity to get your school, especially when you've got a guy like A.J. Epinesa, who's going to be a top-five pick. No offense to Torn Young. Mm -hmm. Who does the national media want to do a story on? Who does, I don't know, VSPN, they're usually there, or Fox or whatever, who would they more likely spend significant amount of time telling his story in relation to Iowa? Epinesa. Think of Bruce Feldman, who is now with The Athletic. Perfect example. He'll be on the sidelines for a bunch of Big Ten Mm -hmm. games this year. You know he's going to want to talk to a lot of these guys. And, well, because of his affiliation with Fox, you know, he'll get plenty of time the one-on-one time that he wants. Is he going to take a moment to talk to Torn Young? No. Nobody is, Trent. That's Even sadly, Michael Ojemudia? Maybe. Mm, no, but they want Nate Stanley because he's a quarterback sure. and he's a senior. He's getting a lot of love draft-wise, too. He's moving up draft boards. You're not going to talk to all 43 players that are No. There. No, absolutely not. And right now, it's been made a whole lot easier as you're trying to mm-hmm. allocate the two days that you get. Uh, in Chicago, because you don't have to. AJ Epines is not there, so you, you don't have to talk to him. You can you can fill that time by talking to somebody else. And sadly, I mean, Torn Young's going to be. I like the way they do it better there. They they put a table around. I mean, the Big Twelve puts each and every one of the players in their own kind of booth. Mm-hmm. You know, like they do at the Super Bowl media day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've kind of got that. And there's guys sitting in there just like, why, why am I here? Yeah. Because nobody's coming around. No, nobody. Everybody's at one. They're at the quarterback's booth, mm-hmm. right? Or they're at the running back's booth. And then they're, they're sitting by themselves too often. I kind of feel bad for them. And Torn Young's going to be in that spot. I don't get it. What am I missing? He's the third string running back, in my opinion. Yes. And like I said earlier, he very well could be the fifth string running back. Right. If Tyler Goodson is as good as advertising as that home run threat that Iowa didn't have last and year needs. in the running game. He will be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I continue to say I've heard so many good things about Bird. The other freshman coming in from Alabama, a bigger back than Goodson, but still another guy type that would fit. Back. Yes, yeah. And, and so those two guys very well could surplant him. Is it something as simple as this kid's a good soldier? He, He's a junior. Many people thought he was going to be the starter. Before we got through the summer, Ivory Kelly Martin was kind of a guy as the summer progressed. We started to hear more and more. Last year you're talking about. But after spring practice of 2018, it was Torn Young. It felt like well, he Torn, was going to be the guy. Yeah, and he was the leading returner, right? Yes. And it's not like you yep. put up. It was under 200 yards if memory serves. Correct. The the leading returner um, going into last year. I, I don't know. I mean, I've never spoken to him. Maybe he'll blow us away. Very well could. I hope he gets the opportunity to do so. That's my only point. Well, that's not my only point, but that's one of my points. And we'll talk to all three of those guys, obviously. Who else? Who else? Well, I, I haven't seen the list, to be honest. I'm, I'm more focused on the three guys that are going representing the Hawks. And yeah. A.J. Epinesa needed to be there. It is a chance to build your brand. It is yes. a chance to push the Iowa football narrative. And, and Trent, to be fair to Iowa, they have started to catch on yes, about that. No doubt. And we have praised them 
multiple times for doing those things in the offseason. They're doing what Iowa State used to do. It's Look, it's not all about... But it kind of is because we're the ones that carry the message back to the fan base sure. or back to college football fans across um, across the country. A.J. Epinesa would be a very popular attendee, that putting it would. mildly. Not just local. The guy's a beast. This, these are the stories that you want to have out there. Find a mock draft that he's not in the top ten and most likely in the top five. You can't. So why isn't he? I don't know. What, what's the speculation? Great question. What? Great question. Because there has to be something. Mm-hmm. They took a junior, wasn't AJ Epinesa. Now it's not. I guess he is a true junior as opposed to a redshirt junior. Mm. He could make that argument fourth year of eligibility, that type of thing. But, but Epinesa is not going to have an opportunity right. to represent the program next year, right? Now he's not part of the leadership group. Uh-huh. The eighteen players that were announced here a couple weeks back, he's not part of that. Is there something underlying here that we don't know about? Uh, um, that's got, that's got to be the answer. A that slap on the, the wrist, answer. maybe. He missed a summer workout, perhaps conditioning, whatever it may be, and that's the reason for it. Said something in an interview that Kirk kind of cringed and said, "You know what? Let's hold him back. Maybe he'll be <laughs> now." Every interview that Let's I've seen with AJ, what? AJ Epinesa has not been that way. I mean, the, the kid not only is he a five-star player coming out of high school, he's been a five-star player in his two years on campus, coupled with and he's unblockable. He seems like a great kid, so it's. We're not talking DJK here. We're all the stories that you heard were sadly true most of the time. Absolutely. That's not the case at all here. It's odd. It's really, really odd. And you know what? I think it's certainly a question I'm going to ask Kirk Ferentz next week. Yeah. Why isn't AJ Epinesa here? Mm-hmm. I think it's a simple one. If you, if you don't, somebody else will. Yes. Because uh, that, that is going to come up. So Zuba Mahente, he'll join the program next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. For Dental Home. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Taking up until noon, John Walters. In about 20 minutes, we'll catch up with the voice of the Cyclones right now. As Trent mentioned, reminded us, they both used to work together. They're appearing in the 11 o'clock hour, Zubin and John did, and Zubin joins us. Hello, Zubin Mahente. How are you, my friend? If you could get Andy Fales on a little bit earlier, you could make it, or Keith, you could get a complete old hmm. Channel 5 type reunion for the entire hour, but I guess we'll have to wait till 2 o'clock to get that. You know what? No, I didn't realize Fales was at 5. He was, he was. He I didn't know that. A spots before I did, and then obviously at that point he went to... 13 had that short sit in Kansas City and has been there. I want to say Keith maybe got to 5 in 91 when he first got to town and yeah. actually made the move over to 13. But, yeah, Andy was briefly at Channel 5, I believe, when John was there. Uh, it's probably worth know. bringing up if you uh, see either. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that. I, I know that Keith was at 5, and then I want to say he took Pat Paris's gig when Pat went yeah. uh, national on on one of the foxes but i i didn't realize andy fails was the channel five well i learned something today from zubin mahente and we do each one of these tuesdays seemingly zubin so much ground to cover with you um let, let's start in the nba i know that this isn't a big nba market but man oh man if you're a sports fan that was spectacular theater it really was and as many have pointed out it's probably the only sport where the players really do get to control i know there's free agency in all of them but they get to control in a lot of cases 
cases, the makeup of the team they're, they're, that they are about to join, which doesn't happen in the other sports. Tremendous theater, Zubin. It's really amazing. We were actually debating doing a story. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it this week with so much Wimbledon on our air, but this is just over the 30th anniversary of NBA free agency. And some of your younger listeners, this name doesn't mean anything to them, but I'm sure to us three and people of our age, you know, the NBA's first free agent, in terms of having the ability to have the mobility that now we just take for granted, was Tom Chambers. And in 1988, Tom Chambers left the Seattle, then Seattle Supersonics to go to the Phoenix Suns. And it was a huge deal at the time. And now, fast forward 30 years, player mobility is more important than money. And I don't want to be that kind of guy that says everything is based on money. But if you take a look at the amount of guaranteed dollars, guys, that Kevin Durant left on the table, that Kawhi Leonard left on the table, that Kyrie Irving left on the table, we're talking a staggering amount of money. So right now, maybe not in your job or my job, regular people's jobs, but in the NBA, there is more of an emphasis on playing with your buddies and having the ability and mobility to go wherever you want to go, which I think most people in any walk of life would like. But it comes at the expense, and I'm not just talking of a, you know, guys like us, a few hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks. We're talking tens of millions of dollars per guy, hundreds of millions of dollars combined that they're leaving on the table because they believe in this era of basketball, the curmudgeons like Barkley and Jordan may dismiss it, but in this era of player, the ability to play where you want and with whom you're playing is more important uh, than money. And in most of the other sports, as you've seen with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, um, money tends to trump everything even winning. So I think in some ways, guys, the NBA guys should be commended because playing with who they want to play with, with the best teams to win a championship, which is clearly what Kawhi is doing and some of the other guys are doing, um, is more important than the cash. And for all the things we say about the money in pro sports, it's interesting how much is being left on the table here, especially this summer. Zubin, uh, the summer league continues to blow up. I saw some TV numbers and more ratings broken with Zion, though. That was uh, shortchanged, obviously, with what happened in Vegas. Zubin, I was watching, and I was watching your coverage afterwards, and I relayed this to Ken about the coverage that you had. When you threw it to Mark Jones after the earthquake, and he just went on and on and on for five minutes, to me, he looked visibly shaken as Doris Burke was sitting next to him after that. Pardon the pun. Yes. Take, take us to that scene on Friday night and just how everything went down. Yeah, I'll tell you, we were on till about, I want to say we were on till 2 a.m. Eastern time, and right at 1.55, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George broke. But before that, what happened was we were scheduled to be on ESPN after the Summer League, because after that uh, Pelicans game that was stopped that everybody knows about, there was actually another game that was going to be airing after that on the same court, Phoenix and Denver. So we weren't ready to go for a while. And when that happened, when the earthquake hit, they ran us out there um, because just like the fans, you know, Disney and ESPN have a policy of, you know, getting our employees into a safe spot. The players obviously evacuated the court. The game was postponed and then suspended and then canceled. But it's the very same thing for Mark and Doris and everybody else out there. So when we did that live report, um, there was a mad scramble because we literally ran onto the set and just started talking and started just basically just going story by story 
without really having any idea of where we were going. And when they told me in my ear that we were talking to Mark and Doris, for a split second, I didn't know if we were actually talking to them live because I was like, are they really still sitting in there right now waiting to do this? Um, obviously, they weren't sitting anywhere near the Jumbotron and its cables, but it just didn't feel like, you know, the Thomas and Mack Center is an old building. I mean, UNLV running Rebels were playing there in the early 90s. I just figured they wanted to get everybody out in an orderly fashion. And so it got a little bit crazy because I thought maybe Mark and Doris take something and they just want me to send it to this segment where they're talking about it. And you're right, Mark was pretty uh, emotional. Uh, and Doris was just like there was only one call to make, which is just to send it. Um, what's interesting is right next door, and Ken, you know this well, being a Vegas guy, right next door is the Cox Pavilion. And that's a much smaller venue. Mm-hmm. And they had the aftershocks as well. There was a momentary stoppage in play there. Then they kept going. And that was like right next door. They are. Versus basically stopping cold turkey right there at the top of the Max Center. Eventually that game with the Cox Pavilion between the Magic and the Spurs was pulled. So, Trent, yeah, that was an interesting one. As the night went on, it got a little bit crazier. But the idea that Mark and Torres were there live really surprised me. And then, obviously, we had a lot of post-game reaction from the Padres and the Dodgers, in which I'm sure you probably saw. The game was not interrupted in any fashion. Literally, the earthquake was happening. P.K. Hernandez was in the box, stepped in, threw a pitch, stepped out, threw a pitch. Clayton Kershaw said after the game he didn't even realize it had happened. Um, Padres won that game 3-2. So, yeah, that was kind of a surreal night. And then after everything calmed down... Um, to a degree, because obviously I know there's some issues with some hospitals and a lot of issues in Ridgecrest where the uh, uh, earthquake was itself. We're ready to sign off, and at 155, Woj just tweets about Kawhi Leonard <laughs> and Paul George, and then the night keeps going. I think we probably left around 4 that morning, um, but it was one of those nights where uh, wow. it was uh, you just never know what you're going to expect when you walk into work. You know mm, what I, mean? <laughs> I bet not. <clears throat> Certainly not. Zubin Mahente from ESPN is our guest. Zubin, we've seen the, the NFL draft grow from, you know, essentially nothing and then ESPN got involved and now we see the spectacle that it is now. Are we seeing similar with the NBA Summer League? Its growth just continues to amaze me. People traveling, fans traveling to see this. You're getting some huge, uh, big names, obviously, RJ and Zion in particular being there, although Zion was only uh, going to participate in not the entire game, but the, the, the amount that he played in. But back to my original point, is the Summer League's growth, maybe we look back at this on 20 years as, you know, when uh, what, what, what this is to what was the growth of the NFL draft. Oh, for sure. So the Summer League's been around 15 years. This is the 15th anniversary of the Summer League. And, and people like me have been watching it for 15 years. But um, it really didn't hit its stride. It sounds funny because the NBA has obviously been on an upward climb. Even though it's been around about a decade and a half and it's been played in Orlando, it's been played in Utah, the one in Vegas tends to get the most attention, of course. Um, for example, the Zion game you mentioned, there were 19,000 people there for that game. You know, there were 19,000 people there. The Lakers have always drawn incredibly well because of the proximity from fans to get from L.A. to Vegas. But to me, the Summer League really started to take off on TV when Lonzo showed up in 2017 with everything around his dad and the Lakers and being the second overall pick. And, you know, the Lakers have never had a homegrown superstar. All their best players, Magic from Michigan, Kareem from New York, Kobe's from Pennsylvania, Worthy's from the Carolinas. They'd never had a homegrown L.A. superstar. And at that time, with the way he was playing and the way his dad was obviously manipulating the media, it was such a huge story 
that it's really just picked up from 2017, 18, and 19. But the league has been going on for a decade and a half. But I just think that particular moment where the convergence of social media and TV and what we call TV real estate, the place to put this on, um, there were nights where um, when Lonzo played a couple, you know, two, three years ago, he would play at 1030 at night on ESPN2 during the weekday where much of our audience, like, you know, where you guys live and where I live, is ready to go to bed. And it would be the highest rated thing on the network. <laughs> and there would be no stakes to these games uh, whatsoever. There really isn't any. A lot of these guys won't be on rosters. Uh, the coaches are, you know, third or fourth assistant coaches on teams. Like Miles Simon, our old colleague here at ESPN, the college basketball analyst, he's coaching the Lakers team, you know. Uh, Steve Kerr ended up coaching in the summer league because he had no reps as an NBA head coach. And things have turned out well for him since. But uh, you're right. It's been around 15 years, largely anonymous. But since about 2017 with Lonzo, last year, and now with Zion in the short stint, it's really absolutely exploded. ESPN Zubin Mahete joining us here on Miller and Condon on KXNO. All right, Zubin, it is Tuesday night, All-Star Week, the quietest week in sports as uh, we get the game tonight, then the off day with the ESPYs on Wednesday before finally a game back at it on Thursday and a full slate on Friday with baseball. The All-Star Game, we continue to hear that baseball is becoming such a regionalized sport. It's difficult to promote on a national level. But the All-Star Game does feel different. It's certainly the best of the All-Star Games. Your thoughts on the All-Star Game and baseball as a whole as we hit the halfway point of the year? You know, I was talking to you. I was actually on a flight the other day, and I was talking to one of our baseball producers who was on his way to Cleveland, and they're definitely trying to make a big deal for the first game of the second half. So they're... It's something we haven't done in the past, but we're definitely trying to pump the first game of the second half to give baseball a little bit of oomph coming out of the all-star break with the eyeballs that'll be there for the Midsummer Classic. But unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the ratings for this game are the lowest on record. It seems like every single year when Fox puts out their overnight ratings, um, they're obviously not going to mention this in their press release, but many other networks will just take a look at the numbers or media observers will take a look at the numbers. And for the last several years, it's just been... Worse, 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 worse than the previous year. And I don't know if you can reverse that. I don't think baseball, you're right, it's a regional sport. But I think at the end of the day, Rod Manfred knows last year baseball cleared $10 billion, billion with a B, in revenue. Uh, so I think they're okay. But I, to me, I've always looked at the All-Star game a little bit differently than most people. I look at it as a taking stock sort of endeavor. I, I noticed that Manny Machado isn't there. And I noticed that Bryce Harper is mm-hmm. there. Those are the two of the three biggest contracts in the history of Major League Baseball. If you combine their two batting averages, I think they're hitting 259. Uh, and I just like to take stock. Uh, Alex Rodriguez had a great stat yesterday, heard on the radio. And it's just about where we are and what you can expect. And after last night's home run derby, Ken, with your boy Vlad and Alonzo, there was a great headline in the Washington Post that said, home run derby, that's every day of the season. That's not on a one and it was one of those things where um, A-Rod said, the great stat, the Yankees are 0-13 when they score two runs or less. And his thought there was, you know, in the playoffs, it's probably not going to be home run, home run, home run every at that when the rotations get stronger. And while the Yankees probably have a great, great chance to represent the American League in the World Series, you would, I guess, figure it's them or, or the Astros, can and uh, Trent, of course, no offense to your guys, <laughs> to the Twins there, but uh, it's one of those things where I really thought that stat was interesting to take stock of the first half. The Yanks have 
played great baseball. They've gotten contributions. Sometimes when I'm doing sports center, I look up and I see Urshela, Talkman. Like, who are these guys? <laughs> like, who are these? This is the game. I should know their lineup. Right. And it's one of those things where you just don't. I mean, LeMay, is obviously having a season for the ages. He can become the first player to ever win the batting title in both leagues. That's never been done. He won it with the Rockies in 2016. That would be pretty remarkable. But A-Rod's stat was sort of, do you have the pitching? I think you know you can throw out Verlander a couple times if you're the Strohs, and you can throw out Garrett Cole. But if you're the Yankees and you got to go with Tanaka, Sebastia, and whatever you can get from Severino when he gets healthy, I'm not sure you really are looking forward to that particular matchup. So I'm more of a take-stock guy than the game itself. Who's not there, namely the biggest names of all, and where do we really stand at this point of the season? I'll certainly watch tonight, but I'm just more of a forward thinker when I see the baseball all-star game. Uh, Zuma, we've got 90 seconds left. Uh, Zuma Mahente from ESPN. You've told us in the past some of the, uh, some of the restrictions on, uh, on uncovering or showing highlights of a particular event. Uh, what is, how is FIFA... What, um, how have they made it for ESPN and other networks to show the highlights, for instance, of the United States Women's Soccer Championship this past weekend against the Netherlands? Is there a, um, embargo of any type of when you can show these things or do you get access instantly? We get access instantly, but it's limited. What we have done is we got really lucky in a sense that our main reporter out there is Julie Foudy, who won two Women's World Cups. She won in 1991, which is the first Women's World Cup. And then she was on the Brandy Chastain team in 99. So as a result, not only does she have a ton of equity, she's plugged in with all the players. She can get our one-on-ones with Megan Rapinoe and anybody else that is a storyline out there. So while our highlights are limited, it actually works in our favor because, as you guys know, the society we live in, you either watch the game, which a ton of people did, or you watch the highlights on your phone. When I work the late-night sports center, the game's been over 9 or 10 hours. Anybody that's watching us at this point that's a sports fan knows the United States won every single game they played, and now it's about what do they need to do, how do they feel about playing Sweden, England, the championship. And so just having somebody like Julie there that can kind of take us through, this is what it's like, this is who I can connect you with, it's actually paid off huge for us. Coverage on Fox is tremendous. The celebration is great. Ticker tape parade in New York. Canyon of Heroes tomorrow will be awesome. But for us, just having her there, having lived it, they're asking for equal pay. She was on the ground floor in 91 when they were asking for that. So it probably played to our advantage that you could watch the game on Fox, but we've got probably one of the most famous U.S. women's soccer players of all time helping you go through the post-game coverage, which is critical because myself, yourself, I would assume most of your listeners are tuning in once every four years and aren't really locked in Mm -hmm. on the team. We might treat it the way we treat the Olympics. So, we kind of got bailed out there because she's just been associated with the sport for so long and has been respected for so long. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, thank you as always. We will uh, talk to you a week from today. Thanks, Zub. You got it, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Quick break. His former boss, John Walters, joins the program next. Miller and Condon, 1460. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's spend 10 minutes or so with the voice 
of Iowa State. He's John Walters. He joins the program. John Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. Uh, good to talk to you. We want to start with you with the uh, the piece that's airing tonight or debuting tonight, I guess, uh, on the um, Cyclones channel on MediaCom. Uh, the Rolling Rocket, Gary Thompson, uh, debuts tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, former guy that you uh, shared um, sidelines with, courtside with, I guess, to be at more accurate. Uh, and probably a piece that you had a lot of fun putting together. John, am I right? Oh, no question. Uh, Gary is literally a cyclone legend, and I'm just not sure that there's been too many people that have come along that have enjoyed more the concept of growing up in small-town Iowa, getting an opportunity to play uh, basketball and baseball at an all-American level at Iowa State, and then just all the opportunities that that brought for him for the rest of his life and how how he enjoyed those opportunities and, and raising a family in Iowa. And it's just, it's a true Iowa story about uh, a product of our state that we could be really, really proud of. And we just thought it was a great time in Gary's life to kind of sit down with him and reflect on, on some of the neat things that he's gone through, because it's a really unique story. And uh, Chuck Offenberger did a beautiful job of, of laying it out in his book about Gary and, we kind of followed his lead, but we thought for Cyclones.tv, we really needed to document uh, what, a, what a tremendous career he had. And then not just in, as a Cyclone, but as a broadcaster, as a businessman, um, it just it, it's, it's kind of the, the Hollywood story, if you will. And so we're excited to do it. It's about a 75-minute show. It's, it's going to debut tonight at 7 o'clock on Cyclones.tv, and then we'll air it again tonight at 10, and it'll, it'll air a zillion times uh, between now and, and eternity, but it, it'll be it'll debut tonight. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton in a minute, because since we're on basketball, we'll stay there before we move to football. But uh, take us behind the curtain, if you will, on, on the piece uh, uh, tonight. How long does, you know, 75 minutes, as you said, but how long does that actually take, John? How much time is spent on that to get to, you know, where it is now? Sure. Well, we, uh, we actually shot it last summer. Uh, we took Gary to his gym in Roland. Uh, where he played and, and uh, grew up, basically, and, and sat him down in that gym and, and just really uh, took a walk down memory lane with him. So it was about a year in the, the process of just... But now, now, not all of that year was spent just on this one project for the guys at, at B&G Video and Ames. They have a lot of other uh, kettles on the fire, if you will, but this was one of them. And so, um, you know... Talked to Chuck Offenberger about uh, using some of the pictures and the, the great book that he wrote, and he was very kind. He said, "Hey, it's Gary's book. If he wants to share, he's more than welcome to." But he was thrilled that we were doing a documentary, and and so uh, it, it's basically just been piecing it together from that perspective and finding some old video clips and, and anything we could to to help support the story. But um, but yeah, it's it's a it was about a year long process, and we'd like to debut shows like this in the summer because it's a quieter time. It's a it's an easier time to give it more of a spotlight. So that's why we did it this way. Well, a lot of former basketball players that also might get documentaries made about them in the coming years. I think you'll probably see one here, oh, 10, 12, 15 years down the line with George Niang. I, I think he'd be a great one, certainly, at his move from Massachusetts to Iowa State and what he's meant to the community as a whole. Watching these summer league games, John, it's incredible. The amount of talent that has come through this program over the last seven, eight years and guys that have been able able to find ways to stay on, including Mariel Shayok getting a two-way deal with the 76ers. Yeah, I think it's a total of 11, you know, former players that are fighting for roster spots right now. Um, And, you know, about half of those are, are locked into deals where they're, 
job is pretty secure. The rest of them are fighting for a roster spot, but it's great to have that much representation in the NBA, and it, it really speaks volumes about you know the kind of people that that Fred Hoiberg and then Steve Prohm have, have brought into this program and and developed because not all these guys came in with a million as as Paul Rhodes used to call them golden apples next to their name. Uh, you know they had to work and. Mm-hmm. The one common denominator for all 11 guys is they worked their butts off. They got in the gym, and when they were in the gym, they were all business. And uh, that is the theme that, that has gotten those guys this opportunity, and it's a great message for the players in the program right now that you know, a lot of guys have talent, but if you want to go get, maximize that opportunity, you're going to have to work really, really hard at it. And, and that's what all these guys have done, and that's why they're getting these opportunities. Speaking uh, of opportunities, Tyrese Halliburton took full advantage of the one that he just had. Uh, John, I don't know what his expectations or what the coaching staff's expectation for him was once he made this team, but man, oh man, he's one of the main reasons this team got to where they're going. What a couple of weeks that he just had. Tremendous. And, and I love the fact that early on in the tournament, he was scoring a bunch and making a bunch of shots, but as the tournament wore on, you saw one game where he didn't score at all. That's typical Tyrese. I mean, and, and I get it. You know, Iowa State needs him to score, so he's going to have to shoot the ball a little bit more this coming season. He used to drive Eric crazy at times when he wouldn't <laughs> put up shots. But, but his game is all about making everybody feel involved, and he's a very, very unselfish player. And as that tournament went on, I thought he really made a, a concerted effort to make sure to get other guys involved. He saw some great passing, seven assists a game, and that's just his game. That's just who he is. Now, uh, I, I think he'll add a little bit more scoring every year that he's in a cyclone uniform, but I don't think the unselfishness and the style of play is ever going to go away. And uh, Maybe he'll even break his own assist record again. But, man, he has tremendous vision and, uh, and, and a willingness to really try to get other guys feeling good about their games, and that's what makes him such a great teammate. So I believe you told us in the past, John, you're not allowed to go to the Capital City League. Is that right? Uh, I can go. I I don't like going. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's. No, I, yeah, I mean, we, I we can go. I, I can go, but I'd rather just go watch these guys work out up here because sure. you get a truer feel by watching play each other. I guess is what I, the way I'd put it. But I haven't had that opportunity yet this summer. Well, we know a lot about Halliburton, Jacobson. We'll get to see Solomon Young coming off that injury. You know the guys, but of the new guys, anything bounce out to you this summer? Anything you're hearing or anything that you've seen with the incomers that gets you excited about next year's basketball team? Well, I think the, the freshmen are all very talented, and we'll see how quickly they can, you know, assimilate themselves and, and become an important piece of the puzzle. But what I'm really excited about is Prentice Nixon, uh, for starters, because, and we'll see what happens with Bolton and his appeal. Uh, but Prentice Nixon, I think, brings a toughness to the backcourt. Uh, you know, he took 90 charges over two years at Colorado State, uh, incredible number. And um, so he, he's a very tough defensive-minded player, but also a good scorer. He averaged about 17 a game, and and I think he can bring a lot of leadership and toughness to the backcourt, and I think the combination of he and Halliburton is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I think those are the guys immediately. Uh, Bolton and he is the, the guys that can make the most immediate impact, but I'm excited to see also, you know, can Terrence Lewis or Zion Griffin take a big step up this summer and become that guy uh, that, that can fill some of those minutes and some of those shot attempts that you lose with Mariel Shayok and some of the other guys they lost off last year's team, Lindell Wigginton, uh, Nick Weiler-Babb. 
you're going to have to have some other guys that are willing to take tough jumpers in big game situations. And, you know, can one of those two guys become uh, kind of that person? I think you know what you're getting in the post. You know what you're getting in the backcourt a little bit. But it's kind of that small forward power forward spot where the question marks are. And we'll just see, you know, if some of these other guys that have been in the program, sometimes I remember when Nazmi Long was a freshman and didn't do anything, you know, and we went into the offseason and I, was, I didn't even – Think about Naz. You know, he wasn't even on my radar. I was getting ready for our media day special, and I told Fred Hoiberg, I think we're going to get this guy, this guy, this guy. And then I, the, the last guy I mentioned was Sharon Dorsey-Walker. He goes, why don't you get Naz instead? And mm. that turned out to be uh, very, very uh, important what he did that year. I mean, he had a tremendous season that sophomore season, and it really catapulted him to a great career at Iowa State. But sometimes guys just make that quantum leap that you don't see coming. And so I, I'd put more money on, on guys in the program being able to do that than the guys that are just entering the program, but we'll see. Meet you long. One of the stories so far, the uh, NBA Summer League in, uh, in Las Vegas opening a lot of eyes. John, to football with you, and, and the news that came out a couple of weeks ago that the UNI-Iowa State game is going to be on FS1, does that now, looking forward, mean necessarily mean that the uh, Louisiana-Monroe game will be the Cyclones.tv third-tier event game, or is that to be determined? It's to be determined, but I, I'm of the understanding that there probably will not be a dedicated football game for Cyclones.tv this coming fall. I think that the, uh, the extra inventory there was the UNI game. Mm. The Big 12 had some games that had a couple more slots that they wanted to fill, and they chose the UNI-Iowa State game as one of those slots, which is fantastic. It says a lot about where Iowa State's program has come, that there would be a national interest in a game uh, involving two schools within the state. Uh, and, and so that, that was great to see. And so, uh, we're, we're excited about that, but I'm, I'm guessing right now that, uh, probably all of Iowa State's games are going to be on some kind of network television and not on Cyclones.tv this year. Well, that's, uh, you made some news there, John. Uh, not official yet, but seemingly my, uh, perhaps headed in that direction. Speaking of heading in directions, you will uh, be on the plane heading south, kind of the unofficial start of yet another sports season of football and then into basketball season. It's upon us, John. This time next week, you will be in Dallas with Coach Campbell and four representatives of the football program uh blinking that off season's over yeah it goes fast i'm not, i'm actually not going to be able to make it down to Dallas this year uh but we will have we'll be represented and have uh and have some coverage for you from our uh videographer that works specifically with football uh following those guys around but excited to see the group that uh coach campbell's taking uh you know josh kniffle a great story about a native island who just kind of worked hard and and has worked himself into being probably the best offensive lineman on this team and maybe one of the best in the Big 12 Conference. Excited about Deshante Jones. They're bringing him down there, the, the Champions for Life program that they do. Deshante is going to be the, the, the featured uh, student-athlete from Iowa State this coming year. Uh, but Marcel Spears, tremendous success story again, comes in without a lot of accolades. He was recruited by the old staff, uh, came in redshirted, and just you talk about a developmental program, to be able to see a guy like Marcel literally evolve and become better and better every single year in a Cyclone uniform. And then Jaquan Bailey, uh, to me, is one of the underrated defensive ends in all of college football. Um, you don't hear as much about him as you do about some of the other defensive ends, but I think he's right there with anybody in the country as a rush edge. And, and uh, I'm really excited about uh, the kind of senior year that he can have. And I think it speaks 
volumes about how much Jaquan has grown as a person, uh, that he's one of the people that's coming down to uh, Dallas with Coach Campbell this week. So um, that, that's, a, that's a big tip of the hat to Jaquan uh, and, and the maturity and the growth that he's had as an individual through these four years. John Walters, the voice of Iowa State. John, thanks for hopping on with us today. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. John Walters, voice of Iowa State. For Iowa State's favorite's a good thing. Literally, Jaquan Bailey didn't grow before he got here because he's, right. if he's six foot four, at least in the beginning, they would have more opportunities. Who knows if we would have got here? The kid is unbelievably gifted. He'd be playing at Auburn. He probably would be right. They have burnt, burnt orange on the uniform mm-hmm. with the Longhorns. Good for Iowa State. Yeah, six four. He might uh, might not be back for a senior season. That's another point too. He got that There's kind no of doubt. ability. Boy, that defensive line for Iowa State is salty. As stacked as they've ever been, Lima doesn't put up the stats, but he patrols everything. Without him, clogs it up. I, that that defense would not have been able to make the leap they did a year and a half ago. He is a big cog in the middle. It's great defense, best mm-hmm. defense that I can remember at Iowa State. Oh, me too. And it's not close. Yeah, me too. Depth-wise, yes. depth on the defensive line, three solid linebackers, two really good safeties, corners. I guess that would be the question mark if you're looking to uh, pick nits, but uh, we shall see. All right, what are you doing tonight as far as your – there's only one game. We know you're not going to miss it. I mean, as far as gambling opportunities. Can you bet on the MVP of this thing? You oh, probably can, I, right? I'm sure you can. You're going to take a stab at that? Uh, no, nothing leaps to mind for you me. Pick a leadoff hitter just in case he gets an extra at bat, Christian Yelich. Go that direction. But that's, that's probably a, a short one. price, though, right? I would uh, think that MVP be... odds plus eight fifty. Trout is the favorite. Bellinger, Yelich, both eleven to one. Ronald Acuna Jr. sixteen to one. Mm-hmm. How about Pete Alonso twenty two to one? Yeah, After last back night, to back nights. No, not seeing that. Okay. Arenado, the deeper Arenado, yeah, he was up there. He was eighteen to one. Okay. Javi Baez also eighteen to one. And what's the what's the what's the line on the game tonight? Who's favored? It is the American League minus one twenty. It's a and pretty it's tight even. number. Yeah, pretty tight number. Minus one hundred on the National League side. I'll play it. I don't have a strong opinion. It's just you know. I get the Jones, I start to get the shakes. You know how that goes. <laughs> uh, Bill Bender's been covering it for the Sporting News. He'll join the program tomorrow. So will David Kaplan. We promised you a look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Finally, that is going to happen tomorrow as well. Uh, and uh, we are working on a couple of other things mm-hmm. and hope we can uh, seal those deals. But we're going to be back tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock. Bill Bender, looking forward to catching up with Bill. He was there last night for Home Run Derby and will be covering the game tonight for the Sporting News. All right, Murph and Andy are the next local sport. Sports conversation on these airwaves. They come your way at 2, followed up by Fanatics tonight at 4 o'clock. And Wednesday, we'll start it all again. The morning rush on the air at 6. We're back tomorrow with 10. Thanks for being here with us. We're Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.